All right, good morning and welcome. Today's going to be, uh, hold on, let's back up a minute. No, no, not you. We're good. Uh, this is Dustin Atwood with A1 Custom Car Care, Master Certified Automotive Technician. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit different show today. It's going to be story time with Dustin today. And <laughs> I'm going to share some of the, you know, the different ins and outs and things that I run into in the service bays with you. So some of it's going to be hopefully learning experiences that I share with you guys so you don't fall into these same mistakes. Um, and a lot of times I, I run into this and the reason that we trigger shows is because I see the same things happen over and over again. And I'm going to share some direct stories with you guys uh, when things don't go well. We're also going to dive a little bit before I get into all that stuff into the parts uh, abyss or phenomenon at the moment. And so this is starting to affect us. So as um, COVID-19, Corona, whatever you want to badge it, you know, came out 2020 with force and is still hanging around 2021, there's been a lot of manufacturing shutdowns. There's been a lot of uh, transportation shutdowns. There's been surely this this uh, kind of backlog um, of work that got put on hold. And right out of the gate, we saw some things uh, last year, but we're starting to, and, and this isn't just our industry. I don't know if you've ordered anything online or, you know, dealt with anything that you couldn't just walk into the store. Or even if you walk into the store right now, you see some bare shelves that typically are not bare. You know, most stores uh, do what they call just-in-time inventory, right? So when I was a kid, you could ask whoever to, hey, look in the back and see if you have something. Well, anymore, the back is pretty much void because everybody gets shipments so quickly. And, and that's not a bad thing. But where it has really started to affect things is the availability of the time because anything that was stored in maybe a big warehouse somewhere or a uh, distribution center has been exhausted and they're not getting replenished as quickly, okay? So when you are needing your automotive service done, you need to keep that in mind. Whether you're needing uh, you know, automotive service or other things, uh, we're all running into that to where uh, the backlog or the inventory that companies had, they've sold out and they've exhausted. Um, I was recently in the market for a trailer, like a utility-style trailer, and I was having problems finding one. So I, I called all the way around, even up to Kansas City, and by the time I would find one in inventory and I would call about it to see about purchasing it, it was gone. And as I got to talking to a, a trailer sales company up, it's a little north of Kansas City, they had some that they showed in inventory. I called, it was gone. And I'm like, okay, what's the deal? And they're like, well, there's we have over 400 trailers on order and they're not getting filled. Those orders are just not showing up. And then on top of that is if you need an aluminum trailer, that's almost non-existent because the materials don't exist. So this I'm sharing with you is not as hopefully, don't please don't think that this is a scare tactic and you can't get your car fixed or you can't get a trailer. I ended up finding one, so I know everybody was really concerned about that. Um, but this is reality. You need to buy or build in some time for that to be done. 
Um, some of the things that I see happening uh, will be a sacrifice in quality in order to fill some of those orders, and you don't want that either. So I'm sharing current events with you guys. We're doing fine. We're fixing plenty of cars, by the way. We have such a good relationship and such a vast, um, I don't want to say opportunity, I guess, uh, that we can order from many, many vendors, local and abroad, that we are able to fill and fix a lot of things. I, I've had other shops call and actually to say, hey, where are you getting things from? Because they're running into issues and maybe don't have some of uh, the relationships that A1 Custom Car Care has built with some of our vendors over the years, um, that we are filling a lot of stuff that other folks are not capable of. Or if they're not capable of, they're not capable in the same turnaround time as we are. For years, one of the biggest things um, that we have been maybe a well-kept secret in the automotive repair industry, we were A1 Custom Muffler and Brake for years. And that was great. There was nothing wrong with that. But we did full-service automotive repair for well over a couple of decades at this point. And we rebranded A1 Custom Car Care to maybe not be such a well-kept secret. So everybody knew that, you know, we were doing full service. But one of the biggest things I always had people give amazing feedback on was how quickly we'll turn your vehicle back. You know, there's if you look around, you'll see the shops where it looks like they're busy or they've got cars everywhere. But if you drive by them, you know, a couple of times a week uh, for a month, you'll see the majority of those cars are the same cars just sitting there all the time. You typically do not see that at one of our facilities. I'm not going to say I don't take on a long-term project sometimes, which is a, a very in-depth, you know, whether we're doing a restoration style uh, mechanical service to it. Whether we're doing some upgrades, it maybe takes us a little bit longer, some custom work. Um, but you don't see multiple of those just sitting around for weeks and weeks, months and months, and sometimes, you know, years and years. Um, we take a lot of pride in being able to turn the car quickly, whether that's basic service or that's heavy, uh, full, you know, in-depth engine repair, mechanical, transmission, differential. Um, typically, even large repairs will turn in under a week. You know, there's a lot of times folks go in for an engine replacement or transmission replace it. They'll have the doggone thing for a month. That is not how we handle things. Um, for instance, we had a large, I think it was a one-ton chassis van that needed an engine here. Uh, it's probably been about six months ago now. Uh, we booked that vehicle in. I scheduled it. I, you know, obviously bought time with the customer, made sure had everything sitting out there in in uh, in line, ready to be installed. And then uh, Harlan, which is my lead technician, our sunset location, him and I knocked that engine out, I think, in two days. I think there maybe have been uh, a partial third day where he, you know, did some test driving and some very min minute, fine adjustments and, and checks to make sure when we turned that engine job back out to the customer, it was in good shape. But they were dropped it off, I think, on a, either a Saturday or a Monday. We started on it Monday, I know. And uh, they didn't pick it up until Saturday, but it was ready Wednesday. So that kind of stuff, if I've got to put a team effort into it, 
honestly, I don't want your car for weeks and months at a time. I don't want your car any longer than I actually have to have it because I know how important it is for you to have that in service. Um, this van was used for recreation and they had a trip they needed to go on. So we made it happen for them and made sure that it was good as it rolled away. I, I did the first oil change when it came back. When I do a big uh, engine related service, whether it's a replacement or we do a lot of internal work, I typically want to see it back in under 500 miles, right around 500 is where I like to see it, because I want to see real quickly where we're at to make sure that if there is anything that I need to address, we address it as quickly as possible. Once you get past that window, and that's something I guess I should talk about a little bit. Um, a lot of times when things fail, they're going to fail right out of the gate. So, you know, when you get something that, you know, makes it, you know, past that 500 miles, typically that is going to last long term. You're going to get that three, five, 10 years worth of life and service out of it. Uh, but if you're going to have something manufacturer related that gives up the ghost, it's usually going to do it very quickly. So that's why I like to see it in that time frame, because if something happens, I want to be able to do something about it and not have any collateral damage occur. So super important. And that's just kind of an insight into things, you know, whether you buy a new computer, you know, and I'm staring at one right now. If you buy one and it's it's not going to work, it's not going to work right out of the box usually. After that, if it makes it, you know, a month or so, usually that thing's going to hang out and be a good one, barring you get some high electrical surge that kills that thing. You know, that's going to happen. So um, that's an industry kind of thing that I've noticed over the years. A1 Custom as a company we have on most of our repairs, and I'm going to say 95% of our repairs have at least a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. And when we talked about going into that as a company, because, you know, at one point in time, the standard was 1212, and we haven't been 1212 in probably 10 years. As we talked about expanding that warranty, that was the discussion and the reality that we found is that when we have a warranty-related issue, usually it's pretty quick. But we give that 336 for this reason here. We give it because you have the peace of mind that when you come and spend your hard-earned money and we do whatever related service for you, that God forbid you have an issue for the next three years or 36,000 miles nationwide, we own those parts. We own the labor as well. You know, there's different times where people are like, hey, can I have you install this part? And they bring us a part. And a lot of times it's really not in your best interest because that part will be maybe warrantied uh, part-wise. But if you bring me a part, it's not warrantied on the labor side of things. So if I install your ball joints or your heater core or whatever, and God forbid we have an issue with it, you're left hanging on the labor that you paid to have it done and the labor that you got to pay to have it redone. So when you kind of get some experience or some pushback where I question that at our store level and say, hey, why is it that this is what you're wanting to do? Is it in your best interest? A lot of times it's surely not. If we provide the, the part and the vendor that we have the relationship with, we choose the quality of it, we also assume the responsibility for three years or 36,000 miles part and labor. How good of a peace of mind is that? People buy extended warranties on homes, on TVs, all that garbage. And honestly, I am not a big fan of extended warranties. Typically, in my experience, 
is because there's so much red tape and crap that goes along with it that it's just not worth it. And I go ahead and pay to have it done again because I don't want to deal with the headache of jumping through your hoops and the frustration that comes along with some of those warranties. And I know I need to take a break, but the point is, is when we set up our program and built our program at A1 Custom, we did it intentionally to take away the red tape. So I don't have those same issues when you have service done and we have a warranty-related item. But we need to take a break. I got plenty of other things we're going to talk about right after this. All right, we're back. This is Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, kind of taking you along some of my experiences over the years. Um, you know, some of the things that I get repeat uh, questions about. Some of the current events, you know, parts availability, etc. One of the things that I touched on just before the break was, can I bring my own part? And I'll be honest, it's a case-by-case basis. But more often than not, you know, we are going to try and have a discussion about why it is you're wanting to do that and does it benefit you to do that. Because the perception is, is that, you know, I can get a part from, you know, uh, Ryan that helps us and, and does a great job. You know, he's done the show and talked with you guys. You'll see him at our Sunset location quite often. Uh, He stepped into a bigger marketing role for us and done a heck of a job. But one of his things he brought up many years ago, and he's used it in his advertising, is, uh, you know, you get a part from never going to work a stand. And I cannot express how real that statement is. You know, I always laugh when I hear it because I think it's funny. But I see it happen all the time. Even at the OE, which is original equipment, that's like the manufacturer level, People have warranty-related items. You take things in for recalls or technical service bulletins and have the dealer pay for it. And usually that's the gold standard of quality. You know, they they are warranting that vehicle for however long when you buy it new. As a company, they cannot afford to put a crap on your car, but it does happen. They have different generations or updated parts that they end up seeing, hey, this one didn't work out. We had this problem. We needed to update our design. The independent aftermarket does that as well. So there's a lot of lines that are called problem solvers that identify a pattern failure problem. And they, you know, come out with their design that fixes whatever that initial concern was. And then going on, you never have that concern again. So that's a big part of A1 Custom Car Care and and how it is we approach our automotive repair. With the uh, evolution of the internet and the accessibility to things, not just in your local market and not even across the country, but across the world, the standards that you can receive are far and few in between. And so when I talked earlier about us being able to locate parts and services um, that a lot of other facilities are not able to, that's a real deal. But we also know who and what not to install. So, you know, you get online and I get folks that are like, hey, I got this part from so-and-so, you know, big online retailer, discount retailer. Um, You know, will you install it? Well, A, you know, what is it? What are we doing, et cetera? And then we'll make those discussions case by case, obviously. Um, And I have gone ahead and consented and done that on certain things. And I've also had them come back and have a failure with that and there's so much bs to send that part back at their expense they just go ahead and have us fix it right the second time 
at an increased cost and sacrifice or, you know, accept that loss of the original um, part replacement as a learning experience. And then from that point forward, they know we're in their corner and they just have us take care of it anyway. So I'm not saying that you can't buy things online or you can't source things online, but just be very careful. Um, you know, time is money for you and us as a company. You can't be without your vehicle. I, I hear that all the time. And I want to streamline that process as much as possible when you come into one of our facilities. And that's really what we're talking about today. Yeah, maybe you saved a dollar or two getting the one from God knows where. But if it doesn't last, how much did that actually cost you? Did you have to take off time from work again? Did you have to come see us again when it would have been an unscheduled time and you would, you know, had we fixed it with a good quality part the first time that had a good coverage, not only on the part, but through us with the warranty of the labor, that's a big deal. You know, it, it, things aren't getting cheaper. I don't know if any of you have been to the grocery store lately, but the inflation is real at this point. And so the value is really where it comes in that separates you know, the players from the people that are just pretending to do automotive repair. And that's the difference. If you've got a facility, whether it's ours or somebody else's, that takes care of business at the level that we're talking about today, then stay with them. Don't try and bounce around and, and try and say, you know, you're, I, I say this all the time, you're tripping over dollars to pick up dimes. You know, there's times where folks you know, even, you know, we'll be like, wow, you know, why did you buy that, you know, expensive tool when this one works, kind of? Well, because I'm not tripping over dollars to pick up dimes. If there is a new piece of equipment that does a better job for our customers, I am right there at the front of the line beta testing it, making sure it's in good shape, and a lot of times improving on it, that as we come through and we start seeing this stuff come out of warranty, that we're here and prepared to take care of business and not scratching our head trying to figure out, hmm, well, it used to work like this, but it doesn't anymore. So we're going to try and service it like we used to still. And when that doesn't work, you know, then we'll drop back and punt. No, 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 not interested in that at all. I want to identify a lot of the things that are coming out, coming down the pipe, and have the equipment and the experience before I start seeing those problems. Super duper important. That's not something that you find everywhere. Now, I have found it at other facilities. I have friends and colleagues at other places locally and abroad that have taught me or I can call and have a good enough you know, rapport with them to say, hey, I'm running into this. I haven't seen it. You know, what are we going to do to be prepared to take care of it? And vice versa. There's a lot of times I get a phone call saying, hey, haven't seen this before. How are you guys handling this? What software are you using? What specialty tool are you using? What are you doing in conjunction with this repair to make sure the highest level of success is achieved? And we have those discussions. Very, very important. Um, you know, I, I've shared different stories over the years where I've had cars brought in in boxes, um, you know, and ideally, yes, I've been able to fix those cars, but the cost has been much, much higher than had you just brought it and had us take care of it from the get-go. As well as I've had people bring in discontinued parts, and that's something that I see a lot of times over the internet where people will get a deal 
oh, you know, I wanted such and such, but I found online for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And they bring it in and, and ask us or request us to install it. And it is actually the flawed original part, but it's it's a overstock or backstock that they discontinued that the original uh, distributor decided, hey, this is too much hassle. We're going to bulk sell all this crap off on the Internet. And you end up buying it and installing a future problem. Okay. I can't tell you how frustrating that is. Um, you know, I've I've had it over the years where I've seen people, oh, I put this part on there and it's new. It new it must be good. New means new. New does not mean good. Um, if you've looked at flowcharts forever, and a flowchart for folks that don't know is the manufacturer puts out kind of this path, if you will, that if you're having this problem, you check this. Is it yes or no? Then you go over here, yes or no. Then you go over here, yes or no. Then replace this part. Um, a lot of times they'll say replace with known good part. They do not say replace with new part. And I'm not a big Swaptronics person, uh, and what I mean by that is just throwing parts at cars to see if it fixes it. There's typically a good way to test the parts before and condemn them, whether they work or they don't work, versus just being the best guesser in town. But when you're buying some of that stuff just abroad or, you know, oh, I found this thing super cheap, sometimes you get what you pay for. Sometimes you buy trouble. And I never really understood that when I was younger. You know, that's one of those old sayings that I heard forever that you buy trouble. You know, the old timers would say that. And I always think, what the heck does that guy mean? But now I understand is that, you know, you know, you buy once, cry once kind of philosophy. A lot of times it, when I try and skimp, usually it costs me threefold of what it would be if I would have just stepped up to the plate and done what I needed to right out of the gate. Uh, that's a super duper important, but sometimes very expensive lesson to learn. And if you're buying different generations, and sometimes I will see, you know, three to seven evolutions on a part before they get things fixed right. Typically, my kind of really, you know, what I have good confidence in when I see a, a, a repeat failure is usually by the third generation, they've got it figured out. And sometimes it is the OE level or the original manufacturer figures out, but a lot of times it's an independent aftermarket company facility uh, person that figures out how to fix this. So for a, an engine platform that's out there right now is the 1.4 Turbo. It's in a lot of your Chevy Cruises, a lot of your Chevy Sparks, Chevy Sonics. That's uh, a little Buick. I can't think of the model, but that's a very common engine platform that is plagued with problems um, pretty much from about 2010, maybe even 2016. So roughly about six years, there's thousands of these cars out there. They're being sold on the used market. They're being, uh, you know, tried to continue getting them along uh, for folks that bought them new, but they're having a lot of issues and we have a ton of solutions and updates that we have implemented within our facilities when you come in for service so we need to take a break i'm going to elaborate on some of that stuff as soon as we come back from the break all right welcome back this is dustin atwood a1 custom car care sharing some of the experiences today with you guys that we develop over time 
Um, one of them is the 1.4 Turbo. I, I don't want to put that to bed just yet because there's a lot of you out there listening, whether you know it or not. If you're driving a four-cylinder GM platform from 2010 on up to, you know, 16, 17, somewhere in there, um, or if you're in the market looking to buy a car, you need to be mindful of this. Um, but we're seeing and evolving a lot of our practices and giving some solutions for some plagued failures that were right out of the box when those vehicles were manufactured. And one of the biggest things is leaks on those engines. There's a lot of plastic on there. There is a forced induction, which basically means the pressures are going to be higher internally in the engine. Um, they're very fun cars to drive. The fuel economy is amazing. But the time that they spend in the shop, unfortunately, is higher than normal or higher than I would like to see. So one of the things that we've come up with as a company, there's some different PCV, which is pressure crankcase ventilation. That is a huge flaw. So we've got a solution for that. We also have figured out, you know, when we start having some leaks, the plastic that came from the factory is it doesn't hold up very well. So a lot of those systems need to be replaced. I believe there was a recall on the water pump on those as well. We have updated a new design that we use when we run into an issue there. And then some of the uh, maintenance as far as getting rid of some of the deposits as well as some of the leaks is also something that we do and take care of. So we have some folks that really run those cars hard because they are forced induction with a turbo. They think that they're a race car. Um, because they've got some pep, they really, really do. Um, if you run those cars hard, I assure you that it will build enough pressure and create a lot of leaks. Um, if we get into a situation where we see that, updating that pressure crankcase ventilation system is something we do. Um, but unfortunately, with the way that's engineered, if you run them hard, you're going to be in the shop on the reg. Uh, and, and that's just something that we've seen industry-wide across the board and we're continuing to hone our process and make sure that those vehicles will still continue past 60, 100,000, 120,000 miles. Because that's the window where you really start seeing the issue. Um, and the harder you run them, the more that you see them as well. With that being said, we've got those solutions and, and our staff is taking care of them. So I, I hope if you do have one and you need some clarification on that, we can definitely be the ones taking care of that. So... As we kind of shift gears, we're talking a lot about parts today. You know, when I was a kid and a vehicle got to 100,000 miles, a lot of times those vehicles were discarded or they were in such disarray mechanically that, you know, you had to overhaul the engine or you had to put a transmission in it. I mean, it was just amazing at 100,000. It just things really started to add up. Now, it's, it's very consistent that I see cars in with 100, 200, 300, 400,000 miles is really where I start to see a vehicle with high mileage, okay? That's what I consider the threshold at this point. Now, I have, I'm not super old or anything, but I've been doing this long enough now to see that uh, move in the mileage that really people consider high mileage is absolutely amazing. You know, I share with you all quite often where our personal vehicle mileage set is because I think that's uh, important because if you give just a little bit of care, and I mean a little bit, I'm not, you know, obviously I'd love everybody to maintain their cars better, 
Um, that's not something that is really ingrained in you when you purchase a car is the cost of ownership. And a lot of time that people sacrifice the cost of ownership and then they're in debt all the time because they, their car fails prematurely and they're forced into getting a new vehicle. But my personal truck that I uh, drive, I have two. I have one that I tow with and one that's kind of just my runaround truck. My towing rig, I think, is about 360,000 miles. Now, it is diesel-powered, and I have done quite a bit of work to it. But 360,000 out of a diesel-powered tow rig is, man, that's very respectable. And I use it still. I mean, we'll tow three or four hours, you know, in one direction, really, without batting an eye too much. Um, I've recently towed a trailer up to Des Moines, Iowa, and back, and then immediately jumped in, hooked same day, hooked up to our camper and towed to St. Louis. And I did that with confidence at a 360,000 plus mile vehicle. My personal rig is a 06 F250 four-door. I think it's at like 350,000 now. I want to, full disclosure, I have put an engine and a transmission both in that vehicle. But, you know, I've got many more years of driving it now that I've made that decision uh, to repower it, kind of like the aviation industry. You know, you see vehicles that uh, are airplanes out of the 70s that, you know, are still in very good shape because of the maintenance and overhaul standards that the aviation industry has. So there's no different cars and trucks are getting that expensive at this point in time that, you know, you've got to do that sometimes and repower them and continue to driving. However, both of those trucks have no payments. And I'm a big fan, especially in today's climate, of having no payments. <clears throat> God forbid something happens and I need to make a repair to that. Maybe I don't have the money right now. I can back burner it. <coughs> for a, a amount of time until I do have the ability to do it and it doesn't owe me anything. It's not costing me anything even if it's not operational. Having the no payments or the freedom of no payments is super important to me personally. Now that doesn't mean that I'm never going to buy another new vehicle again. I definitely will. Honestly, <clears throat> I'm always in the market and looking and I'm planning to make sure that I can do that in a responsible manner and not get myself upside down. You know, there's a ton of folks out there that unfortunately when things are going well, that, you know, they're living high on the hog and things get a little thin. They, you know, they, it, it gets to be very devastating very quickly. And that's really tough. And I don't want to see you guys do that. If you are in a place and you want to buy a new vehicle, that's great. <coughs> Pardon me. If you if you are in that place, you know, I want you to be strategic. I want you to be able to shop around. I don't want you to be able to be backed in a corner and be forced to buy a new vehicle instead of walk. You know, that's a really dangerous spot to be in and nobody wants to be in that spot. And and you need to be able to plan for those purchases. I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I buy a new one and I've got to pay sales tax on one, or I'm in the DMV and I hear folks paying sales tax, I mean, sometimes that's a few grand that you're not expecting to, to you know, have to shell out um, when you purchase a new vehicle. That's a very substantial amount of money. I can do a lot of work to an older vehicle that I own for a few grand. 
I mean, that's even paying full retail. I mean, this is not just because I do this for a living. You know, that tax increase or tax hit you take on the front side, that's a healthy, healthy part of that that a lot of folks don't think about. Even if you roll it into the loan, you're paying tax or you're paying, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, you know, it's not that I'm against paying taxes, but I sure don't want to continue funding and paying more and more and more taxes. So, you know, even if you're paying interest on that and you rolled it into the loan, that makes it even that much worse because it's compounding the rate of what that tax was. So when you're in the market, definitely buy a new one. That's awesome. But do it on your terms. Don't do it because you had to. That's really where it gets tough. And I love the fact that, you know, Stacy and I are able to to make those decisions, not just because I'm in the automotive industry, but because we're able to plan for that. Because, you know, I own those vehicles outright, I can expand some of my uh, equipment, whether, you know, you buy a new boat or you buy a new motorcycle. Instead of making a truck payment, maybe your truck is still in good shape and you can drive it for another three to five years. Maybe you wanted a new Harley. Maybe you wanted a new bass boat, pontoon. You wanted a camper. That broadens some of your, your horizons, if you will, to obtain some other things. Maybe you just want to save for three to five years and put that money back. I really need to uh, uh, adopt that philosophy. I'm normally thinking of, you know, maybe I need to buy a new side-by-side -side or a new trailer in this case. You know, that money is going to be instead of making a car payment all the time and being on that roller coaster of payments, payments, payments forever, you know, I've taken good enough care of this or I've repowered it and, and kept it on the road um, without having a debt against it that I can get that new toy or I can get that new thing and have that and, get, and pay it off and maybe my truck's still in good shape and do something different. That's a, a, a very good place to be. Um, I know a gentleman right now, his goal is to have rental properties. He's worked really hard. He's paid off his vehicles. He's putting all of his uh, savings together so he can buy some rental properties. I think that's awesome. You know, having a plan, you know, not just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and, and uh, you know, hoping that it's going to continue, you know, things are going to work and then they don't, you know, <clears throat> life uh, is definitely in the curveball business. And it will throw you some curveballs from time to time. So having a, you know, some flexibility is really, really important. The older I get, the more I see that being important. You know, maybe it's, you know, I have, you know, been hopefully learned from some of my financial mistakes. You know, you didn't get into great credit card debt. Maybe you were able to pay off credit card debt or, you know, student loans, whatever the case may be. You know, this is a, you know, being financially free, and this is not a financial a channel by no means if you will um, but it is really important and the older you get the more uh, volatile things get in the world it's it's really important but we need to take one more break we'll be right back in a few moments all right welcome back we got just a little bit of time left I, I feel like it's definitely been story time today uh, hopefully some of this has made sense and this show you know is very congruent in its thought process one of the things that you know, we've been rolling around as a company and, and as an industry, for that matter, is tools and equipment. Um, I cannot express how important it is that the tools that I was able to use five years ago, 10 years ago, sometimes even two or three years ago, a lot of those are obsolete. 
a lot of those, uh, the cars have evolved and some of what those tools service are not even on the road anymore. You know, you look at an old school mechanic and I noticed this early in my career, they'd have a lot of tools that, you know, they never used anymore that they just, you know, had for a rainy day that maybe if this car showed up, they would have the tool for it for whatever it was. And then it has helped out over the years. I've had my bacon saved on that, you know, that, oh, so-and-so had this from 10 years ago and I can borrow it. But it's very important to be a part of a company that continues to reinvest and stay up with the times. Um, the engine platforms, the technology that's in those platforms, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that come in the shop and say, yeah, I used to do my own work or I used to be an auto mechanic and I don't do it anymore for XYZ. And a lot of times it is because the tooling they have engineered a lot of these cars so you cannot service them yourself. Honestly, they're engineering them and changing them at such a fast rate that if you're not part of a company that continues to further their education and their tooling and equipment, you can't even service them if you're in the business. And, you know, when I look at other folks and I, you know, was considering going different places, that was a factor um, when I was getting in the business that I wanted to make sure I wasn't a part of. I knew if I specialized in working on points and condensers and carburetors, I wouldn't have anything to do now. I probably would have been out of business in the first five years. And when I say out of business, I mean I wouldn't have been viable in this industry had I not learned uh, electronic fuel injection, electronic ignition systems, distributorless ignition systems, uh, port injection, direct fuel injection, forced induction, turbocharge. I'm not trying to give you a bunch of terms maybe you're not familiar with. I'm trying to give you a little bit of a path of how just in the short time and what I say well over, you know, 15, 16 years, <clears throat> the technology has changed, so we have had to change. It's not that I don't work on carburetors anymore. Every once in a while I still get one in and we still do a little bit of service with them. But it's so far and few in between. When I got in the business, throttle body injection was a big deal. It's not that I don't work on throttle bodies, but I don't see them very often. Um, it's not that I don't work on port fuel injected uh, anymore. We still see a lot of those cars, but I can see that part of the business downtrending. I can see what is coming down the pipe is direct injection where your fuel is uh, directly injected inside the combustion chamber in the cylinder, which the diesel industry has been doing that for years. Now the gasoline industry, because they see the efficiency or the accuracy of that uh, engineering process, but there has been a learning curve. <clears throat> Not just for me, but for them, the way they're building them, they're having to update and, and refine their design. Therefore, I have to continue refining what A1 Custom Car Care does as well to make sure that we're prepared for that. So as I continue to watch down the road, I don't want to just watch what I'm doing right now. We're obviously doing very well as a company right now as on the cutting edge of what it is that you have needed in the past and what you need right now and in the future. I've got to look and see what's coming down the pipe. You know, we're doing more hybrid service at this point in time. That's going to continue. 
hybrids uh, have really come a long way, but they still have very far to go as far as being as efficient and as cost effective to own as what, you know, your 90s model Chevy pickup was. You have a battery pack or a generator go out of hybrid, it's thousands of dollars immediately. You know, if I have even to put an engine in an old Chevy pickup, a lot of times it's cheaper to do that than it is to put a battery pack in something or a generator in some or transmission. Um, you know, sometimes folks think they've got a hybrid and they don't have to change the oil and then I get to put an engine in one. So there's a lot of fundamentals that need to continue to be refined. Um, you know, it's not just okay to be as good as we are today. I want to be as good as we are today in 10 years. I want to still be on the cutting edge of what's going on in the automotive repair industry. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a company at A1 Custom Car Care that does that. And share that with the rest of my peers and the, and the staff and the team that we have together within the company. Um, that's a very, very cool thing to be a part of. And then to be able to roll that out and service so many of you that come into the shop all the time. The uh, performance and turbocharged side of the world, you know, 10 years ago, that was only on special high-end cars or aftermarket race applications. Now, it's mainstream on tonnier cars. I bet more than 50% of you out there listening have a turbocharged vehicle, whether you know it or not. And when it comes into the shop, it's refined well enough that folks don't know what it was. You know, there's not a lot of turbo lag. There's not a lot of issues such as what we've had in the past. <clears throat> Going forward down the road, I mean, we're knocking on the door of autonomous vehicles. And what autonomous vehicles means is basically they're self-driving vehicles. And we're, we're having and kind of dipping our toe in the water with lane departure, active braking, uh, collision avoidance, you know, all those items, lane centering. You know, I don't know if you guys uh, hopefully caught that show where we had Kyle Wyatt on as a, as a guest. He's looking at a new pickup. And we went through some of the pros and cons of some of the manufacturers out there and what they're doing. You know, the lane centering or active driving or collision avoidance that they're rolling out on some of these cars is amazing. And it's working pretty doggone well. Now, if you do bump or bang that thing and have a problem with it, it's expensive or somebody else runs into you maybe. It doesn't always have to be your fault. Then the cost of repairs is very high because that's a very sophisticated system and it's brand new out on the market. But it's pretty amazing to think that you can have your late model vehicle keep you centered in the lane. I had a gentleman, and I shared this with Kyle, that come in, and I think his was a 2017. So this technology has been out for a little while. He had a deer run out from him, run out in front of him in his uh, late model F-150. And it picked up the deer and automatically I mean, got on the brakes and got him stopped or, or almost stopped um, and avoided that deer. Had that not taken over or, you know, uh, participated in that collision avoidance, he would have been at the body shop or he would have been calling a tow truck or, God forbid, had some kind of uh, health damage due to a collision. That's very powerful. You know, uh, as 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 things change and as people drive more and more, you know, 
it was a big deal to drive, you know, eight, 12 hours when I was a kid. Not anymore. People do that on the regular delivering packages. I mean, it's amazing what people are able to do and how your vehicle is able to participate in that, you know, where it tracks where the center line is, where the the line at the exterior, the, the, the side of the road is, and keeps you centered in that lane, even if you're distracted. Now, I am definitely a fan of turning your phone off, putting your phone down. I can't tell you how many people I see being such a big offender on that. But if your vehicle can help look out for you, A, you need to put your phone down. Let's just make that obvious at this point. But if you are distracted and you're messing with the radio or whatever else you're putting your makeup on, eating a bowl of cereal. I mean, I've seen people do crazy things while driving. But your vehicle can look for obstacles coming up. It can look and make sure you're centered in the lane. When I meet you on that road and you're on your side of the road, not on my side of the road, that's awesome. And I'm a big fan of that. So I want those systems working. They're going to come mainstream. I've been doing this long enough now to where TPMS or tire pressure monitoring system was just kind of an option. And then all the go- the sudden the government said, you know, 2016 and newer, every vehicle has it. Um, this is going to come mainstream. It's, it's going to be, it may be five years down the road. But they're refining those as options at this moment. And once they get it to where it's more cost effective, it's going to be on everybody's car. Um, variable valve timing. That was a, you know, one of the very first ones I think to do that was the Ford Escort. They beta tested it on one of their economy vehicles. Now it's on everything you buy. And they have really refined it to be a good system. But in the beginning, you know, there's some learning curves that go along with it. But it gives you better fuel economy, better performance, better emissions. You know, definitely want to save the planet. Um, and, and that's been a trade-off as they've gone on. Sometimes the customer is the, you know, beta tester. You know, they're the one stuck holding the bill, unfortunately. You know, I never, I, I realize we're in the automotive repair side of things, but I never love giving out big bills. So I want to make sure that when we talk with you folks, we don't have those big bills um, because you guys weren't informed. That's what A1 Custom is about, is here to keep you informed, keep you going, and making sure that we don't have stuff that could have been prevented. That's the very most important side of things. When I go to a doctor, I want them to prevent me from getting sick, hopefully, and not, uh, you know, have those, you know, things that are a big deal. So, we're here from 8 to 5, Monday through Saturday. If there's anything that we can do, please call or stop by one of our three locations. Have a great and safe weekend.